My life is like a browser with 25 open tabs. I have kind of a constantly plugged in thing. Any interruption could jeopardize the whole operation. So I got my internet service from AT&T. Because their customers rated their service number one in reliability over cable. For $40 a month, I can get up to 100 megabits per second internet, so I can stay up to date on the latest stuff going on in my world. It's soothing to know AT&T internet is rated number one in reliability over cable. It helps me maintain my low-stress thing. AT&T internet customers rank their service number one in reliability over cable. Switch and get up to 100 megabits per second for $40 a month. Limited availability may not be available in your area. Check eligibility at att.com slash internet. AT&T. More for your thing. That's our thing. New approved customers only. Includes internet plans 10 to 100 megabits per second. Early termination fee and other charges and restrictions apply. Speeds not guaranteed and may vary. Claim based on 2018 ACSI survey of customers rating their own internet provider's performance and reliability of speed and service consistency. gentlemen are you ready indie radio presents talking about walkers the walking dead podcast the show that breaks down all new episodes of your favorite zombie tv show right here on indieradio.org and now here are the hosts of the podcast kente jen and olaf Hello and welcome to Talking About Walkers, the Walking Dead podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Kente, all the way live from Los Angeles, California. And I'm here with the beautiful, the wonderful, the talented, the uh, amazing Jen. How you doing, Jen? <laughs> wow, I'm apparently super buttered up. Yes, 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 yes. So, Miss Jen, how are you and what is it like just you know chilling in uh, such a wonderful beautiful place that you are you know that you reside in start there well well i i feel like that's a really good place to start actually there's very few places on the entire globe that are like this place uh, however i will say that that does come with some issues uh, earlier today, I went to the store and bought bread for seven dollars. Yeah. Seven dollars for a loaf of bread. Did it come with a lap dance? Yeah. What? Did it come with a lap dance? Oh my god, no! It didn't come with anything. It didn't even come with a fancy wrapper. It was just, you know, wheat and yeast. Ay ay ay. Oh my god. Also. Also, uh, if you don't buy milk on sale here, milk is now at $11 a gallon. Oh. I mean, that's two gallons of gas. Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah. So as beautiful as it is, everybody, and as gorgeous as the weather is, and as wonderful as the people are, if you come to Maui, please, please, please bring your credit cards. (laughs) That's all I can say. Because you probably don't have enough cash. (laughs) You need wow. to put this on your credit card. You know, my whole fantasy of going there is is really ruined. Thanks a lot, Jen. Oh, sorry. I, I was so disturbed. I, you know, normally, I don't actually pay that for bread. I normally, you know, go out of my way to go to someplace like, you know, Target or Walmart or whatever. And today I just couldn't. And I ended up paying full price for a loaf of bread. But that, that tells you something about... You know how they talk about the cost of paradise? Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is the cost of paradise. This is it. So, I'll, I'll go back to talking about my sunny days and my happy beach-filled moments and watching the waves come in. And just remember, there is a dark side. Wow. You've actually made it real for us. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, Jen. Real sad, but uh, yeah, you made it real. <laughs> Listen. 
Listen, of all the things to be upset about, paying $7 for a loaf of bread is probably one of the least on anybody's list. So um, we'll get by. Don't worry, everybody. It's okay. We don't need a GoFundMe just yet. Oh, okay. Well, I was, about yeah. to, I was just about to get it started. <laughs> just about to get it started. Jen's bread fund. <laughs> all right. <laughs> so enough of the bread, I guess. Uh, <laughs> let's talk about Choke Point. Episode 13 of Season 9 of The Walking Dead. This one's directed by, uh, I think it's Lisa Tommy, who is a woman, a female uh, director. And written by Eddie Gazelian, David Lee, Leslie Johnson, uh, McGoldrick as well. And it uh, aired March 10th. And this episode was uh, really good. Very this good was episode. a good one. Yes. And you know I'm I'm harsh when it when it you know when it doesn't deserve it. I mean when it does deserve it. I'm sorry. Freudian slip there. You're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. Uh, people are gonna be like, "See, I knew it." <laughs> <laughs> I'm harsh when it deserves it, and I'm also giving praise when it deserves it. And this one deserved praise. And there's so much going on. Of course, the big, 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 big part is the Daryl Beta matchup. Let's save that part to the end. And you know what? I got a question for you, Jen. Okay. It's the end of the world. As we know it. There's zombies going around. Food is scarce. You know, you've watched your loved ones die. Right? Okay. But you're still alive. It's been years after that. And you're still alive. What is something that you probably wouldn't have access to? from the past that you would really miss? Oh, good question. Um, <laughs> fresh baked bread. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it wouldn't be $7. Yeah. <laughs> um, actually, you know, the thing that I think I would probably miss the most is, um, uh, you know, that feeling that you get when your clothes are sort of like fresh from the laundry. Mm -hmm. I think I would miss that a lot. Uh, Maybe, maybe too much. So for maybe most people wouldn't think that that was important, but I would feel like walking around in gross clothes would be probably the worst. It would, it would definitely. Well, in this episode, we find out. It wouldn't be, it wouldn't be a movie. That's for sure. As much as I love my movies, um, if the end of the world comes around, you're not going to lure me anywhere with. Yeah, you just stepped all over my punchline, but it's okay. Uh, <laughs> in this episode, we find out that one of the things that is missing for the the group called the Highwaymen is an opportunity to see a movie. And you know what? We got to give Carol credit. When, when Carol needs to slit someone's throat, she can do it. When she needs to bake cookies, she can do it. And also, she knows, you know, she's a diplomat as well. And she realized what the choke point was. You like that? For yeah. um, the highwaymen, which was, hey, you guys are in this dusty-ass room. Y'all not really doing anything of consequence. Look, we have movies. <laughs> you know? And it worked. The highwaymen, the highwaymen said, "Really? Oh shit! Well then, you know what? Let, hey, now my question is: I wonder what the mo- first movie post-apocalypse, and you hadn't seen a movie in seven, six, seven years, or whatever how long it's been. Um, I wonder what the first movie you would want to see would be. What would well, be, it's, if it's, you were going to see it, a movie and you could pick any one? Well, wouldn't it be the movie, you'd almost be limited to the movies that were playing in the theater at the time that the apocalypse happened, right? Because the movie theaters aren't going to be hanging on to old film reels. Let's say it's one of those theaters that show movies from all the time. So let's just say you had access to it. Hmm. Bridge on the River Kwai. Yeah, that's your favorite movie. Okay, yes. Yep. Yeah, and mine would be The Good, The Bad, The Ugly, for sure. Um, what movie that you wouldn't want to see, even post-apocalypse? If that was the only movie that there was left, you would just, like, forget movies. Um, Dumb and Dumber. 
<laughs> Dumb and Dumber. <laughs> Hilarious. <laughs> yeah, I, I wasn't a fan of that movie either. I know people love that movie. I don't know why. It just <laughs> no, it didn't make me laugh. Either. It didn't make me laugh. Okay. So, okay, so that was really interesting. And we're going to double back to the Highwaymen. All right? Because, you know, we want to talk a little bit more about them. But I have one more personal question. Oh, boy. Okay, I'll try to answer. Okay, how many kids do you have? Too many. Okay, three. Three kids, okay. Have you ever been traveling and let's say you didn't have a cradle or a, or a um, stroller or something and have you ever like put the kids in like a footlocker or <laughs> the chest <laughs> with drilled holes in it? <laughs> okay, actually we, we did have at one point uh, uh, this really awesome car seat that my kid decided to get sick in and whatever and we put him in a laundry basket for the longest time because it was a really long trip so he was in the laundry basket but he was fine i mean see you know. it's not so bad not so he didn't bad seem to suffer any ill effects yes so uh okay so uh, i thought that was a great scene you know where they put the kid in there and i'm like this Who's? I, I did too, actually. I thought that was pretty. That was really clever. Who's gonna let their baby, you know, as an actor baby, like who's? I'm not. If when I'm like, oh yeah, okay, so this is what we want to do um, with uh, little Johnny. Um, there's a scene where um, <laughs> Brett Butler, you know Brett Butler, right? He's great, great comedian, right? Remember her show from back in the day? Brett Butler <laughs> is gonna take your kid and is gonna, gonna put it in a chest, uh, but it has holes in the chest. <laughs> like, how do you convince a parent? That's you know to do that. Um, you know, I guess money. I guess um, that, you know they're not going to be in there that long. Cre- <laughs> that must have been creative camera work. I you hope put so. Put a doll in there. I hope so. No, it was a baby, but maybe the, you know maybe there was like you said creative camera work. Uh, but yeah, but anyway, I thought that was that was a it, uh, interesting it, thing. Huh? You, you know, you know what's interesting about that? What's what's interesting about that is it made people talk. So, you know, all the stuff that's going on in the in the episode and that actually did make people talk. Mm-hmm. So, clearly our values are 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 still uh, 100% with taking care of the baby. Is the baby is the baby okay? That I I feel like that's a good sign. I think so too. Yeah. Baby'll be okay. The baby's barely been here. What is this with babies <laughs> in harm? This is what, two weeks in a row, huh? <laughs> yes, they're, they're, they're coming for they're our what? babies. <laughs> oh, right? No kidding. Right. Poor babies. I'm scared. Of, like, if, if I, if they're like, hey, we want your kid to be on uh, Walking Dead. I'm like, no, thank you. Yeah. The, the, the post-apocalypse is no place for an infant. I think that that should be the tagline for the Walking Dead. Right. Right. Okay, so let's let's go double back to the Highwaymen. Um, uh, what did you think about, what's your, your, uh, your thoughts of the Highwaymen? I mean, besides, you know, uh, selling out for the, <laughs> for the movie. <laughs> okay. So first I, I, I like this edition. Mm-hmm. Secondly, it wasn't, it wasn't at all what I thought. Uh-huh. Third, um, clearly Carol is all to blame for this <laughs> and she is right. She absolutely right. is. She took out, she took out the saviors. <clears throat> in that one fell swoop move and left a power vacuum and the highwaymen just like slid right in there that was uh not it was pretty short-sighted on carol's side so um but last and maybe uh certainly not least is how could you not like a bunch of guys that look basically like cosplayers in the zombie apocalypse right i mean it was just epic they were not only were their outfits just on point, but every one of them riding horses was, uh, and the music that went along with it, d- that I just, wow, I fell in love. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, I like that. I, liked I, don't even, I don't even care if they were good or bad. It didn't matter. Yes, and they were pretty tough. Like, you know, they, they knew how to handle themselves. So I thought that was, I thought, you know, they were really good. Yeah, I liked them. You know, you know, it's interesting. Uh, the Highwaymen are totally made mm-hmm. up. The, right. That's totally... There is no comic book Highwaymen. So, mm-hmm. 
we don't know anything about them, which is kind of cool. I like it. I like it. Yeah, you know, I don't, I have no problem with them adding that into there. Yeah. So I'm. You know. Uh-huh. You know what it does? It it ties up. Uh, it ties up the kingdom, so that they can't sort of rush in and quickly uh, save Hilltop or. It, it, not that they're really in a position to do that, but they, it, it ties them up in a way that keeps them out of the Whisperer's storyline, mm-hmm. which I feel like is a good thing because because we don't want this. Well, we don't want this. I mean, like I'm talking like I'm one of the writers right. because it would because it would be, I think, a shame to to all of a sudden have all of the communities involved in war so quickly all over again. Mm hmm. Yeah, no, I agree. Yes. Yeah. So this kind of is a it's a it's a conflict, and it's definitely a pretty big sort of issue for them to deal with. But it keeps them out of the it keeps them out of that other storyline, which I I actually like. Yes, I I definitely agree. And um, do you uh, okay? Let's um, I think later down the line we're gonna um have much more to say about them so uh if you mind we'll you know we'll table that for you know when they have a bigger part in it but i I definitely wanted to address it but you know there's two characters that we we've talked about but i feel like maybe maybe we need to give them a little more uh talking uh about than uh, we have um uh, and that is tammy and earl sutton uh brett butler and john finn play them um you know, I'm really interested to see uh, how much they're going to have to do with the show going forward. Uh, and by giving them the baby, also, uh, does that mean that they're going to, you know, are, are they here to stay? And what do you, I mean, I, I, you know, they had their big arc early. But um, what do you think about them as characters? And are they characters you want to see more of going forward? So... You know, one of my big complaints uh, about TV right this very second is that everybody rushes to what I call, sorry, CW, but I'm going to use you as a verb. They want to CW all their shows. Mm -hmm. They want the youngest, most, uh, most, and in some ways it it feels almost economic that they do this stuff. Like they pull Mm -hmm. in people that maybe aren't very well known, but are definitely playing parts that are are not necessarily the parts that people that are, you know, 19 to 24 should even be playing. And that it just it feels artificial sometimes. It feels like wow, you know, the whole world cannot possibly be 19 to 24. I mean, every universe, the only interesting people are 19 to 24, that seems ridiculous. Right. So when shows go out of their way to make characters have uh that are interesting have arcs it feels like they're being genuine to the character base instead of just creating a world where only the people who are younger can solve everything and i i know it sounds i feel like i should grab a cane and say you know get off my lawn (laughs) but that's but that's really not where I'm coming from, right? It, it, in if if the world is really that devoid of people that are older, then all the collective wisdom that has been accumulated disappears too, and and how anybody relates to anybody else becomes sort of uh, difficult, I think, to maintain. So here you have two characters that can act as both mentors to other characters, but also can carry on with knowledge that the rest of the world might not have. And they do that in some ways by making him a blacksmith, you know, by giving them sort of interesting backstories that most people don't have. And so the short answer is I really like it. The long answer is, wow, it's, it's really refreshing to see that so that, and it almost... I almost thought last week when they got the baby, I almost thought that um, that that meant that they were going to die. Really? Yeah, I almost felt like that's exactly what the portent was because you know we're not going to give the baby to the older people. We're definitely going to give the baby to somebody who's younger and stronger. And I don't know. It just felt like that's where it was going. Um, so I'm glad that that isn't what happened because uh, 
I mean, I know the demographics. Have oh, to, you mean last you week? Know, have some. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. I, I know the demographics have to have some, you know, yeah, obviously you have to have groups that everybody can, uh, can relate to, but at some point it gets so unrealistic to have everybody be around the same age. <laughs> like that just doesn't, it just feels ridiculous. So. Oh, well, I mean, I, I give you uh, I give you a lot of credit for um, giving me something to think about because, um, you know, I'm so young and everything. And I, you know, that's <laughs> you know, my generation, right? These, the, the youth. No, I'm just kidding. Um, no, no. Uh, I'm glad that, you know, I, like I actually I, I really didn't pay much to, to attention to those characters. Besides, I didn't really think that they were going to be, you know, really in in the show like that so i really didn't think about it very much but now uh, i'm starting to think you know what maybe i need to pay more attention to these characters they're you know they've got a good um they, they have a good they've got an already good established presence at hilltop that not just other characters know them but clearly other characters also respect certain things about them and with uh with Maggie gone it 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 almost seems like uh sins of the past can be a little bit more forgiven so you know their their fresh slate feels a lot more fresh without Maggie around right yes no definitely um I really yeah I I really uh am interested in those characters and Hopefully, you know they're you know they'll have a, a good run on the show. So maybe when um, Carol dies, not just playing. I'm just kidding, fans. <laughs> just kidding. Uh, no, but that's good though. I, I like that. Yeah, that. Then they're they're interesting characters as well. Um, before they, you say, know, they uh -huh. say interesting things, that which is I like that. Like they actually mm -hmm. get good lines of dialogue. It's yes. not just that they get to participate in stuff they actually have some pretty thoughtful dialogue and the the dialogue the addiction dialogue was crazy that was so well written i, I realized well written. that was a while ago but it was Very so well good yeah i yeah. liked it um and like brett, brett butler is a really good actress as well john finn i've been a huge fan of john finn going way back i don't know if you if you're an x-files fan he was uh had a pivotal character in um season four the end of season four and the beginning of the season five of the x-files and uh he's just a really good actor very good so i was glad to see i hadn't seen him in a while in anything so i was glad to see him you know uh come up as, in this so uh kudos to him um now before we get to the daryl lydia you know henry part of it well um is there anything that you want to cover before we get there and then then we'll save that part for the last well <clears throat> one thing that <clears throat> i that i thought about not because they were shown but just because they weren't shown is where's oceanside mm -hmm. hopefully hopefully they're still around and you know they, i like it, it's hard for me <clears throat> somebody um who i'll have to go back and see if i can find it maybe we can even post it in do radio they made a map of where the communities are based on the story clues and it was really good it was was super interesting because it gives you a better perspective of uh of where things might be located in uh in the geography of where they are and it with the on the map oceanside is actually quite a distance away so maybe that's why we don't see them i don't know um but let's see is there anything specific um, I, th this episode really felt like it was a lot of action. Mm -hmm. Um, like it made up for, uh, not made up for, that's the wrong word. It, it definitely filled a bit of a, of a void <coughs> in terms of, uh, character on character action. Mm -hmm. And, and that was, I feel like that was actually quite good because we, have sort of had uh, a couple of lull episodes, lull like soft or not quite as intense. And this episode 
felt like it was just nonstop action from almost the start to the end. No, I agree. It was action galore. And um, I really enjoyed it. And it was good and action. Also, also, hats off to whoever does the music for The Walking Dead. I mean, I know Bear McCreary does some, but whoever came up with that Western score for when the highwaymen were riding, uh, man, that was awesome. <laughs> that was just awesome. Thank you. Yeah, I liked it too. Very good. Very, very good stuff. All right, so <clears throat> let's get to the, um, the thing that everybody mostly uh, remember this episode for. Besides, The of beta course, blocker. Besides, you know, actually, there was quite a bit. Uh, that's funny, by the way. Uh, um, there was actually there was quite a bit of stuff. Uh, the baby in the um, the box, and also um, as we talked about it, the um, the movie uh, piece. But um, in this particular episode, is you know, you had um, Lydia, you had Connie, Daryl, Dog, because we, we can't forget about Dog. Henry and Daryl facing off against Beta and the and the gang, and the build up to this. This is one thing that this episode did very well. They did a great job of building up the anticipation to the showdown. Like I they re- did, yeah, I really really liked it because by the time it actually happens, which is a really small, um, as far as time. Um, a uh, small uh, bit of time on the show, but it built it up so much so that when it finally happened, it really lived up to it. And it was like, it was just really, the pacing was very good. And I really loved that scene where, where, you know, they're marching in the, uh, the you know, the whispers and, um, mm-hmm. and, you know, they're amongst the other walkers. And I love that, that those shots of, Beta looking up at Daryl. And then when he sees the one oh, right. one walker die and he just kind of looks down at him and he slowly looks back up. Oh, that is so good. Like that, the whole, and it really build up the anticipation to it. Like I hadn't been that excited in a while, you know? And um, I really loved that scene. It was very well done, very sh- shot well. And um, so... And then when they set up the trap and all of that, oh, it was really good. And before we get into the actual action part of it, what do you think about Lydia and Henry talking? You know, the the piece about, you know, why'd you come back and give me, you know, um, and, and him offering to run off with her and all that stuff. So... So I, I don't remember if we talked about this in the last episode. I mm-hmm. I know I talked about it with some, the the Henria Lydia thing reminds me. I actually hate Romeo and Juliet mm-hmm. because people. Sorry, Ian, mm-hmm. love two people fall in love and. Because they see in the world around them, people die. And the, whether it is, whether they think it's inconsequential or whether they are just experiencing something, something outside of that piece, it's people still die. And it, there are times when I feel like that kind of story is so incredibly short-sighted on the part of the characters. And and I've always felt this way about the the Walking Dead when people make some choices. But I also feel like I you know, I know you talked about it last week about how Henry is just basically, you know, he's acting because that's how he's He's whipped. But he's whipped uh, by by the coochie he hasn't had yet. (laughs) there there is something there's something is it feels not disingenuous necessarily but just slightly off about this story and i don't know if if doing it the way that they they made it happen with carl would necessarily help i i think it's just i have a fundamental issue with 
this idea that people who have been basically raised in the zombie apocalypse don't understand why they why the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few and and why that is what it is like i mean i i do i understand why we need to see it the way that we see it Mm -hmm. because fictionally this is what makes you know compelling drama but but it, it just gets overused and it doesn't even feel like this is the first time that the walking dead has sort of done that and it I, it never sits very well with me it always makes me think come on people are smarter than this uh, you know he's a young guy who hasn't seen a lot i mean well when i say he hasn't seen a lot i don't mean obviously he's seen a lot more than the average person because he's had to kill people or has he killed anybody He's had to yeah. kill walkers for sure. I don't know if he, I don't remember him killing humans, but he's had to do a lot. But then if you think about it, this is the funny thing is in this world, you grow, you grow up really fast in one way, but you can also make a, a an argument that in other ways you're behind, mm. you know, um, you know, with, uh, you know, with maybe, I mean, he's at that age, so you can make an argument. Maybe he would have already been kind of stunted when it comes to uh, relationships with women. But, um, you know, it, it's, it's funny how, you know, if, when you want to talk about it from a soci- sociological way, um, you know, Henry obviously seen a lot, did a lot, more than obviously anybody uh, his age would have done unless he'd been gone to war. But, you know, like I said, he's still like a, a little kid, too. You know? Well, <clears throat> you're right. I'm and and I am being harsh mm-hmm. because there is this in between phase where, which is one of the reasons that harkens back to I'm glad that they have older people because if they only had younger people, then society would have reformed itself in a way <coughs> that would have told people coming into uh, becoming becoming adults that this is the way to behave and this isn't the way to behave. And so that we are in the walking dead, we are in sort of a weird transitional function, which I, I think is, is sort of, it's neither, it's, it's neither the old society nor the new society. Really. It's kind of a hybrid of both. So yeah, Mm -hmm. I, I mean, I can understand why Henry is confused. It's the, it's the core of the love story that always, and it's not because I'm jaded. I'm not, I'm not, you know, disenfranchised with them having a love story. It's, it's just that the love story is always the same thing over and over again. And you would, it feels to me like at some point, not only do we want a different love story, but also this idea that collateral damage is somehow okay. It just, it starts to wear on you after a while. Uh, at least it does to me. I mean, I, I know mm-hmm. I'm being kind of harsh, but... No, 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 not at all. You're not being harsh at all. Um, I think the idea is that... I think they're trying to, you know, um, relate to us is that Henry is so into his hormones. He's so wrapped into probably these feelings that... Well, obviously he had for... Um, I forgot her name. The other girl. Um, and now he's kind of put him on to Lydia... So only thing he can think about is his loins, right? And so, and he's probably never had that. Well, I know he's never had it to this degree. Mind you, in actual time on the show, he's only been around her for, what, what would you say, a week? couple days, yeah. Yeah, if that. And he's already willing to do all of these things for her just because of one night where he, what did they hold each other's hand? I forgot what exactly. What yeah, was. yeah, through the through the bars of the jail cell. So. Man, just think if she had had kissed him, let alone had sex with him, he'd be done, you know. So, um, you know, I, I, you know, I mean, it actually kind of, I can see that. I can see him and his doing that. You know, I can see this character being this way, and especially they did set it up pretty good. Because they set it up with, um, oh my god, I can't think of her name, the uh, the girl uh, that he liked before her, before, right? Yeah, uh, and 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 also, 
they, because because Carl's no longer there, right? So right. Yeah, now that she's moved on, yeah, now it seems like okay, he needs uh, right. Okay, but but that but fundamentally, fundamentally, uh-huh. the the core of that of that love story, I'm not saying that 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 doesn't have some validity. What I'm saying is that the that the love story itself, <clears throat> the Romeo and Juliet aspect of it, starts getting old after a while, and and it's not like we don't have fresh takes on what could happen this is the even knowing or maybe maybe especially knowing lydia's backstory it definitely feels like there is the potential for something bigger to happen between the two of them which could expand both of their worlds instead of just making it feel like well henry has to be some kind of martyr to Lydia in order to succeed at this and Lydia somehow has to betray everybody in order I'm like I'm not again I'm not saying that it's an easy approach but but the idea that somehow Henry has to be her knight in shining armor I don't know it just it it just doesn't sit well with me you don't like that he's the knight in shining armor to her I, I don't like that that's where it feels like it's headed. I don't like that because I don't feel like... Mm-hmm. I, I, don't get me wrong, right? I mean, they did set it up pretty well. They set it up really well for Daryl to have these, uh, you know, conflicting feelings about both wanting to help her and wanting to basically abandon her at any moment. I I, I feel like that was good. and And it also fits in nicely with the way that Henry reacts to her. But where it's it Enid. doesn't her work, her name is Enid. My bad, Enid. Enid, right? Yeah. But where it doesn't work is where Henry and she seem to disregard everything else that's happening in order to do whatever they are going to do. I, and I, I and I feel like the reason that that matters is because the Walking Dead hammers into our brains all the time that loyalty is everything right loyalty until um you know there's some vagina involved um oh anthony says <laughs> in the chat room in a world where it has um it has uh, tremendously turned uh further into survival of the fittest how would he not want to be the knight in shaman armor uh, armor yeah. i know and it's I know, and it's that's a really good point, and that's why I'm saying that <clears throat> it's not like it's not like I I don't understand why that's happening. It's that it, it's that meta in the story. It just always feels like that's the the default mode for every relationship, for every situation where somebody is in any kind of peril, and they happen to be a woman. There's only a few instances on The Walking Dead where they're sort of able to deal with things themselves. And when love is involved, it always seems like somebody has to rescue somebody else. And it just, I don't know. Again, it just gets old to me. It just starts feeling like, nah. But Jen, Jen, if we were out somewhere, me and you were hanging out, and a guy just is about to beat you up, wouldn't you want me to uh, come in there and stop him from doing it? Well, okay, that that assumes that I'm not carrying mace, and it assumes that I don't know, you know, some kind of jujitsu or something. I mean, okay. you know, so, jujitsu for real? Um, no, but I could pretend. I I don't know. Yeah, I'm sure just... there's. I I could maybe I maybe I'm carrying something else. Who knows? My my point is not that so much. My point is. And also, my life is not being written by writers, I don't think. I mean, I'm pretty sure that, you know, Chuck isn't up there writing my books or anything. Sorry, Supernatural. Um, <laughs> but this, but the idea, but the idea that, that sort of, the, that the writers have to continually default back to this idea of, again, just the Romeo and Juliet sort of feeling. Mm-hmm. I, I'm, not, I'm not begrudging the character for experiencing what the character does. I do feel like that is authentic. I'm just begrudging the writers for not being original in the story. Mm. That's all. The romance feels tried and a no, little I, I, mean, I agree with you. I mean, to to this degree. And um, uh, Anthony says that's the tone of societal gender roles. <laughs> and um, 
I, I agree he, with he's you. He's not. He's not wrong. He's he's right. But then you could say Maggie and um and Glenn wasn't that kind of situation. The, yeah, there are a few that didn't, and I think Michonne and Rick were also sort mm-hmm. of uh, cast. Uh, Andrea and Shane. Andrea and Shane. Remember, she's the one that basically raped him in the car. <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess sort of, sort of, but but that's not no, but that's not the same thing. Mm-hmm. It, if Shane had been around to save Andrea. Uh, at any given point that feels like that's probably what would have happened i don't know it's just the it's the it's the idea that it's not just the idea that women can't fend for themselves it's it's something more than that it's the idea that every love story has to be about rebellion and every story has to be about somebody becoming sort of the martyr for the relationship that is just sort of it's just old and tropey it's not it isn't that I think the characters aren't behaving the way the characters would behave. It's this is a perfect playground for them to invent and create brand new ideas, and instead we're just sort of <coughs> always rehashing the same old stuff. And it's it's I don't know. It's I don't really I don't know though. Like I quit I criticize this show quite a bit, and I don't know if that's true with this show because first of all, much like Game of Thrones. Now, like it seems like the women are running everything on the, on, <laughs> on the show, right? And then plus, you have the most toughest women on television on the show. You have Michonne, yes, Maggie, yes, Tara. Which, so, I mean, nah, I don't yes, know about that me, one, Carol. Yes, which makes me which makes me believe more and more, just by even by virtue of what you said, that they are the ones that should be. That they are the ones that should be leading the call. That it shouldn't be. They are leading. I, I okay, okay. You know, I I just identified it. I, uh-huh. I guess I had to process it out through, through through talk. What bothers me about this is that there has to be a victim. Is that it has to be that one of the characters is dependent on the other because they are a victim. Therefore, need saving. Therefore, that equals romance. That is so, it's almost borderline abusive, and I don't like it. Wait, how's it abusive, though? You know how many women I've had to save in my life? Wait. I've had to save so many women in my life. Are you telling me that that you think Henry would have been interested in Lydia if Lydia hadn't been the uh, persecuted? Yes. Really? You really think so? Yes, because he wants a woman. He, I think that's his main thing. Is that's just a byproduct of it? But he really wants. There's others. There are but others. None of them wanted him. Right now, none of them wanted him. She was the only one. Well, I, I think his thing is more so that she showed him attention when he wasn't getting it. Remember, they did a whole thing of him not oh. getting it. Yeah. Okay, I can see that. Okay. Yeah, believe me, when a she's an attractive woman, when you. When you wash off all the dirt, she looks pretty good, uh, you know, and, you know, they had that moment, you know, and he's going off that moment. So I don't think it's necessarily that. But I think in this case, it's really different, though, because I, I, I'll say this. She isn't a like, you know, she's telling him, stop following me, you know, you know, like she isn't like your normal damsel in distress. I wouldn't say and not on this one. Well, they they certainly make her out to be. I mean, I mean, she's going yes, through it. She's, she's going through it, she, but she's like, okay, I'm gonna go back. These are my people, you know. They, you know, I mean, I get what you're saying. Like that can be annoying when they use the same tropes, you know, a lot. But I don't right. know though. Like I'm trying to think, what was another situation on the show like that? Well, okay. Uh-huh. Well, I I I promise that I will come up with a list of of the of the situations that I find difficult in terms of uh, romance, quasi-romance on mm-hmm. The Walking Dead for the next episode. But for right now, <clears throat> uh-huh. I don't think that any of the characters, including Henry and mm-hmm. Lydia, are behaving in any way that they wouldn't behave based on the way that they're written. So I will give the show that. The show definitely has that. Also, I can't believe I'm defending The Walking think... Dead. Also, <laughs> uh, also, I don't think that Daryl would be as 
hot and heavy to defend Lydia mm-hmm. if she wasn't a victim. That's if true. If she wasn't the victim of abuse, I don't think that Daryl would be as adamant about well adamant and conflicted because about wanting to bring her in because he's a victim of of abuse so they're like right they kind of have a kindred thing you know right right so i like it i, mean, it, I like it as a callback though to his earlier character you know because remember they're trying to establish him as a lead so they're rebranding him and by reminding you of his backstory in a way right and this episode did a good job in terms of of making him seem uh, stronger mentally and physically. Right now, I'm sorry, um, I'm sorry, Daryl, but um, Daryl is not beating uh, Norman Reedus is not beating up um, or having a chance with uh, Ryan Hurst. <laughs> <laughs> Ryan Hurst would beat him into glue. <laughs> it's a big dude. <clears throat> Just I, I I put the picture up so people can see how they look, you know, side by side. And I think Ryan Hurst they said it was like six foot five, and he's like a big dude. And it's funny they're yeah. like fighting with each other. And I thought he, I thought he, the scene was very well done. Um, the scene between the two. Um, and I love this scene where he stabs him and, you know, and then he's all like just casually pulling the knife out of him, out of himself. Like, you know, like whatever, you know, I thought that was pretty cool. Um, the fight scene was really, really well done. And uh, they I, I'll give him this. They make it somewhat believable that he had the way he does defeat him in the fight. They make it somewhat believable, like you know what I mean, right? Like, right? Because there's no way that he could straight up fight him. You know what I mean? Like, there's no way I, he, he's not gonna straight I, up beat him in a fight. I do, and but and I also think that they they did choreograph it well enough so that you could see that Ryan Hurst's character is clearly slower than Daryl, right? If you go back and you really watch it, you can see that that Ryan Hurst's character that Beta. Is uh, is a little bit more lumbering in his actions, and that is that's all choreography. That's everything choreography. So it does work. Oh yeah, but no, it right. does. In, it does. In just a straight up, in a straight up strength contest, nobody's beating Ryan Hurst. He, you know, he reminds me of. He's like he he looks like Ryan Hurst's character Beta, looks like a a boss in a, a Resident Evil a game or something. <laughs> you know, it's like, like you fight him on. Uh, you know, level four or something, you know, and I love the gold tooth. That was something I didn't notice that, uh, I guess I just didn't pay attention. His little gold tooth. He looks like a, a, a white, yep. um, zombie, uh, rapper, <laughs> you know, like <laughs> <laughs> he looks pretty, pretty hilarious, but, um, I don't know if you saw is, the it, to- is his rapper name beta, bling? <coughs> beta, what? beta bling, beta bling, hilarious. <clears throat> I don't know if you saw him, excuse me for coughing. Um, I don't know if you saw him on uh, Ryan Hurst on uh, Talking Dead afterwards, where he talked about how he constructed his suit how yeah. by using a little bit of every, you know, well, not every character, but a lot of the characters. And I thought that was really cool. That was a, a nice little look. You know, he looks yeah. awesome, though. He has a, I love the way, and he, he has the mannerisms down, and, you know, the voice is really cool. And all of that. So, um, you know, even when he, you know, he has his Christian Bale thing going, you know, yeah, yeah, people, uh, you know, and, but he does it really good. He's very good. Very good. Very imposing. You know, uh, it's it, it, it's one of the most interesting things that I think that they've done with the Whisperers so far. Right. Is that they've made they've managed to make them. Uh, you know, can you imagine this? Okay, <clears throat> if I told you that outside there were a group of people who were whispering and they were terrifying, would you be scared? No. Yeah, probably not. You'd be like, well, why are they whispering? What yeah. the heck? Why can't they it, speak it, up? It is, it, it is the very power behind the, the, the characters and their motions, just the, just the precision of what they do that makes them terrifying and the fact that they don't need to use 
their voices to project themselves is sort it's unnerving it's very mm-hmm. unnerving so so the uh, the beta character when he talks it it's like it because he talks so little <clears throat> it feels like everything he says is important yeah like you lean in to hear what is he going to say next mhm great great character um i don't know why he's wearing a leather coat uh, as hot as it is out there, but um, okay. You know, maybe it's extra protection, I guess, from the walkers. I don't know. You know, I I, I wonder if that choice is, is really not just to hide. There's so much of him to hide. It, 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 I mean, yeah, sure, leather would give you some, like, bite protection for sure. But I, I wonder if it wasn't sort of a, a more practical choice, like putting him in the jacket in the coat sort of hides some of the the like it makes him it makes him both unassuming at the same time that he is huge and anything but unassuming you you know what's so funny to me is i can just only imagine someone who maybe stopped watching maybe the second season or so and then just decided you know what i'm gonna turn on the walking dead and then they see the whispers, and they're like, what the hell has happened to this show? You know? <laughs> <laughs> like, they talking now? <laughs> you know, like, um, a friend oh, of that, mine A friend was... of mine uh, actually had a moment like that. Like, th- this show then went off the rails. The, now the zombies can think and talk and, like, you know. At, at, the, end of, uh, at the end of last season, mm-hmm. that was legitimately uh, a topic of conversation mm-hmm. on almost every group that I belong to, mm-hmm. where people were asking the people who had read the comics, is that for real? Is that for real? Do they really talk now? Because right. I'm done. And, and it, it, it was so, like, it was so, it was so interesting, people's responses to it where and when people when people like me would say you know i think the whispers are actually uh, a, a more dangerous group than the saviors were they laughed right and said you know that seems ridiculous <clears throat> how is that even possible and and it does seem ridiculous it does it, it it it's it's interesting how effective that actually is but I, I have to say one more thing about Ryan Hurst in that, especially in that Daryl scene, uh, the the two of them together, clearly, the, it's not just that their fighting styles are different. It's you can really feel the energy difference between the beta character and Daryl's character. There is, and I I don't know if this was intentional, but on the Daryl side. There, it feels like there is so much passion behind what he's doing, and on the beta side, it feels so much more mechanical. Uh, you know, mechanical with an assured outcome, but mechanical. And I thought that that was really interesting because I don't usually notice that Daryl has any kind of. I don't really notice Daryl's anything. I don't notice his affect because his affect is always so flat. So in this scene, it was actually kind of surprising. Yeah. Um, and I, I think I said this um, before on another show. Like, uh, if he's not on the next ep- season or next episode of Ride, um, or, or sorry, this season of Ride, I don't, you know, they messed up a big opportunity. They should. Uh, yeah, he should be. Uh, yeah. He's got the whole Sons of Anarchy tie-in. Yeah. So, yeah, we got to make it happen. <laughs> So, um, um, before we uh, say goodbye, any last thing, any last notes you want to make? I I think I just would like to say that I that this this episode was probably to me as terms of ranking the series right now. <clears throat> this episode does a lot to resurrect my hope for what could happen in the rest of the season. Um, it, it ranks pretty high in terms of where we are, uh, both seasonally and series wise. It, it, it's definitely, it feels like it's a much higher point and I don't know if we needed to, well, obviously, I mean, we needed to get all the story, but, uh, 
it it does feel like they're sort of the the gears are starting to click um and it doesn't feel so disconnected from the walking dead of previous seasons which i think is a good thing i agree i'm i'm looking forward to it and uh you know maybe uh maybe it's going to go somewhere hey sybil um so let's uh let's hope that uh let's hope that it it goes somewhere that we are we're happy about I, I really did like the fact that they introduced um, the highwaymen without much fanfare. I mean, we saw the signs, uh, you know, the symbols on the back of the signs. And uh, that even that was actually kind of interesting. The idea of marking territory <clears throat> was kind of cool. I, I did. I re- there were a lot of things about the highwaymen that I really liked. But I think the most the most valuable thing about the introduction of that storyline is how unique it is to what we've seen so far in terms of how communities sort of get together and represent each other it 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 feels not just different and new it feels really authentic like you could i mean not that you could see every single thing happening but it there seems to be a, a kind of authentic nature to the way that those that they all got together and the way that they stick together Mm, yes. Yeah, I'm all for it. I cannot wait. Hello? I'm here. I can't wait. I'm all for it. And um so you know, uh we got and they, wet. And Ooh. they didn't they didn't kill Ezekiel, right? They could have. Uh, or they could have taken Ezekiel. I mean they they could have. It it would so clearly they're not the whisperers without any moral compass or, you know, they're they're not amoral, I guess I should say. So they feel different already. They don't mm-hmm. feel like, you know, a Negan group. They don't feel like a whisperers group. They don't they feel much more uh yeah, you know, th- this is who we are. Like they have formed their own identity, but their own identity isn't necessarily uh subject to the rules that we have so far been introduced to in the walking dead where everybody is either an enemy or a friend like maybe there's some gray area in between and maybe that's okay right well um i guess we'll see yeah we'll see i'm looking i'm looking forward to it um so uh how can people get you in social media and all that good stuff well, when social media is working, they can find me at following bliss one. <laughs> uh-huh. Actually, actually, they can usually find me on Twitter because, hey, you know, Twitter is a good platform and it's hardly ever down. So shout out to Twitter. Um, anyway, you can find me at, uh, on Twitter at following bliss one. And you can visit my websites at criticallast.com and moviesmakethemeal.com. All right, and you can get me at Kente F on Twitter and Instagram when it's open or when it's working uh, <laughs> at Kente Ferguson, K-I-N-T-E-F-E-R-G-E-R-S-O-N at, uh, at uh, I mean, on uh, Instagram and indyradio.org. That's I-N-D-Y radio.org. <laughs> we'll, we'll catch you next time for an all new episode. You have a good one. My life is like a browser with 25 open tabs. I have kind of a constantly plugged in thing. Any interruption could jeopardize the whole operation. So I got my internet service from AT&T because their customers rated their service number one in reliability over cable. For $40 a month, I can get up to 100 megabits per second internet so I can stay up to date on the latest stuff going on in my world. It's soothing to know AT&T internet is rated number one in reliability over cable. It helps me maintain my low stress thing. AT&T internet customers rank their service number one in reliability over cable. Switch and get up to 100 megabits per second for $40 a month. Limited availability may not be available in your area. Check eligibility at att.com slash internet. AT&T, more for your thing. That's our thing. New approved customers only. Includes internet plans 10 to 100 megabits per second. Early termination fee and other charges and restrictions apply. Speeds not guaranteed and may vary. Claim based on 2018 ACSI survey of customers rating their own internet provider's performance and reliability of speed and service consistency. My life is like a browser with 25 open tabs. I have kind of a constantly plugged in thing. Any interruption could jeopardize the whole operation. So I got my internet service from AT&T. 
Because their customers rated their service number one in reliability over cable. For $40 a month, I can get up to 100 megabits per second internet, so I can stay up to date on the latest stuff going on in my world. It's soothing to know AT&T Internet is rated number one in reliability over cable. It helps me maintain my low-stress thing. AT&T Internet customers rank their service number one in reliability over cable. Switch and get up to 100 megabits per second for $40 a month. Limited availability may not be available in your area. Check eligibility at att.com slash internet. AT&T. More for your thing. That's our thing. New approved customers only. Includes internet plans 10 to 100 megabits per second. Early termination fee and other charges and restrictions apply. Speeds not guaranteed and may vary. Claim based on 2018 ACSI survey of customers rating their own internet provider's performance and reliability of speed and service consistency.